This is the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Now please welcome your host, Ed McKnight. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight. And last episode, I talked about this idea that I want to refocus the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast on the around the idea that age is no barrier anymore, that even though we are young, old, whether we're teenagers in our 20s or no matter what age we are, that age is not a barrier keeping us from what we want to achieve, no matter what it is. Uh, And still on that theme, but slightly tangential, I'm going to admit, uh, I'm going to share an episode that was recorded back in July of 2017, uh, which was actually the launch of the New Zealand Young Professionals podcast. And over the last six months, I've had such a backlog of episodes that I haven't got around to sharing this particular episode uh, yet. So we're going to share that. It was recorded in front of a live studio audience at Craig's Investment Partners uh, in the middle of Auckland. Uh, And our guest for that episode was John Randalls. Now, John is such an interesting guy. He is the founding director of a little social media company called Mosh Social Media. Or actually, it's not that little anymore. It's got, I think he's got about 20 employees or so. And this episode was really focused around the exploring the kind of dark underbelly of social media. I've certainly felt over the last six months that social media has really been a hint, more of a hindrance than a help to my life. And that kind of uh, was seen in many ways, particularly uh, my partner Kelly kept on saying to me, Ed, you're always on your phone. And I admit, I, I am always on my phone. And so over the Christmas break, what I decided to do was to completely delete Facebook off my phone. I mean, I'd tried to do it in the past where I've deleted the app, but just kept on uh, logging back in via Safari on my iPhone for a while. I completely decided to uh, take a break from it, completely get it off my phone. And it has honestly been wonderful because I find that I'm not randomly scrolling through my feed just for fun at the supermarket. Um, or, or you know, lying on the couch and just waste wasting time. I, mean, to be honest, I'm still wasting time in different ways. I might be scrolling through my LinkedIn feed, but it it feels as if it's been uh, that those activities are a little higher value, and so I'm not feeling so bad about you know scrolling through cat memes and memes that my friends are tagged in, or you know tag this you know these these people's names uh, are going to have a baby this year or something along those lines. Uh, so I feel like that's been a, a really positive change. And even now that we're almost at the end of January, I am I still haven't downloaded it. I don't really want to get it back on my phone. And it's kind of ironic since this episode is, you know, right now I'm kind of saying, you know, get off social media. And yet this is social media is one of the main ways that I managed to get this podcast out to people. But I suppose this episode in total is about kind of reconsidering or being a little more mindful about what we're doing and whether we can use social media in different ways or whether we actually need to be on it all the time. And so I suppose that's really what this kind of idea of the dark underbelly of social media is all about. Um, if you've thought about, I mean, I've got a million friends who have who've said, oh, you know, delete, just delete social media um, from your phone and you'll be so much happier. Uh, 
and I would encourage you to give it a go if you've if you've ever thought about it. Uh, Kelly's also done it. She deleted it about six months ago and completely got off all her social media platforms. And she's, uh, you know, she said, "Oh, I feel much happier that uh, she's not necessarily comparing herself to what she's seeing." Uh, in her in her feed within this episode with John, we talk about that social media is a bit like watching everybody else's highlight reel and comparing that to your kind of everyday life. And so there's this mis- mismatch of expectations, and that makes us feel a little bit bad. That was certainly Kelly's experience, uh, and deleting it has been highly positive. I've just loved getting away from all of the all of the articles that are kind of clickbaity and. Uh, and not having the, those parts that you're looking at or parts in your life or that kind of negative, I want to say negative energy, but it sounds a bit woo-woo and I'm not very much of a woo-woo person. Um, but I guess the, the moral of that story is that if you have considered jumping off social media in the past, give it a go, give it a go for a week, give it a go for a month and just just try it out. And even though I'm not saying completely get off it, it's more just be a little bit more mindful about how we're using that. And that is exactly the moral that uh, John and I talked about in this uh, live recording uh, back in July, where we were speaking about it from a, a brand's perspective as well, because at Mosh, they, they help brands use social media to connect with audiences. And we were talking about, look, it's a great tool, but it shouldn't be the only tool. Uh, it shouldn't be the only tool we use in our lives. And, at times it can feel like we've we can become addicted to it like it's almost this drug that i think the average social uh, facebook user spends something like half an hour i think it is every day on social on facebook and if you think that that we we might only be awake for say 15 16 hours that's like 1 over 30 or 1 over 32 um like 3 or 4% of our day is spent on fa- of our waking hours is spent on facebook and when you put it into that context, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what else could you be doing with that time if you were to reuse it? And even to put that into context, 30 minutes a day is three and a half hours a week. It's, it's kind of like all the stuff that you might want to accomplish in 2018 and we have the classic excuse, oh, I don't have time for that. Well, if you were to retake, reclaim that three and a half hours, what could you kind of do with it? And that's if you're the average user, if you're a high user of social media, perhaps you're on Facebook and Instagram an hour a day. If you were to reuse those seven hours for something else, what could you do in that time? And so it's just reframing and being a little more conscious about what you're doing on social media or when you're on your phone. Now, there were also some technical issues with this podcast uh, recording. When I went back to look at the audio file, I realized that there was this really weird overlapping kind of effect that was happening within the first two minutes. And it sounded a little bit like this. Yeah, so it didn't sound too good. So what I've done is I've cut all of that out, uh, but it was more or less my standard intro, the hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight, uh, followed by an intro of you know the live, the live event and what was going on, where we were at Craig's Investment Partners, and introducing John. And what he was just getting into was explaining a little bit about Mosh and uh, how he views social media, which is that 
he doesn't want to build these different platforms, but it's more about how he can use them to communicate uh, either brands or people with people and use them as a communications channel. And we're going to drop you right into the middle of a story about how John was saying that after he finished his arts degree, uh, I believe in history, he went over to Japan and was managing a Japanese language school. Uh, And he had a rather large student loan after doing his BA. Uh, He said it was 40K or $40,000 and that he wasn't paying it back. And the IRD, the the, uh, Inland Revenue Department, was chasing him down for it. And he was in Japan and didn't really know about money. He wasn't really skilled or schooled in money. And this is where his story got to. But just before I drop you into uh, two minutes into this live episode recording, I'll just mention as well that there were three questions asked by the studio audience throughout the the live studio recording. Uh, But I have cut out the... Uh, the parts where the audience were asking the questions because it wasn't audible within the uh, context of this podcast because we weren't passing microphones around to the audience. So I have summarized each of them, uh, or I summarized each of them live uh, before I let John answer the question. So just expect a few little jumps here and there where we get to those parts. So now I'm going to drop you into that episode two minutes in where John Randalls is talking about the dark underbelly of social media and uh, right in this instance, what it was like to have the Inland Revenue Department on his back. I thought it was great and I spent it and then, um, yeah, and then IRD started chasing me. So I thought I need to learn about this stuff and a friend of mine who's now my business partner was getting involved in property investing. And I thought, my God, that sounds so adult. Um, <laughs> so I thought, I'll join in. Uh, so I started reading books on property and finance. Um, ended up doing some property work. Uh, at, at later on in the piece, I was able to pay back my student loan. Um, That's always preferable. Yeah, that was awesome. And then I moved back to New Zealand and wanted to learn more about property. So got into banking. As you do okay. with a Bachelor of Arts in Literature and Classics. Uh, and in that piece, I yeah, learned more, got into business banking, then decided I wanted to get into my own business. So worked with this business partner and um, on the back of his MBA project at Auckland Uni, we started Mosh Social Media. Because what year was that that you started it? 2009. And I imagine that was probably quite early in the, um, the advent of social media. It was very early. It was probably three years too early. <laughs> as in we started it and we had good clients from the beginning. So Hell Pizza was our first client, still with us today, which is good. Uh, second one was the Leukemia and Blood Foundation of New Zealand. And then Fletcher Building. So we always had these strong blue chip clients, but there weren't enough of them. And we had to go out and say, social media is really important for your business. And they'd go, isn't that just for kids? Aren't kids on Facebook? Uh, And then after about three years, the phone finally started to ring. Fascinating. And you'd mentioned that your third client was, was Fletcher's. But it almost seems quite strange that a building company or a construction company is going to be using social media. What are, what are they using it for? What are, what are the outcomes they're looking for? Yeah, so we've always been very strong in the strategic space. Um, my two business partners now uh, are very clever fellows. Um, 
and the time with Fletcher's was us analysing their 42 business units at the time and reporting back on whether social media would suit these companies, placemakers, et cetera, et cetera. Fascinating. And you'd also mentioned that your, your BA was in, was in literature. Well, well, of course, most people these days think that, that a BA is not, not a degree that's going to get you a job, let alone help you start a business. It was the same in those days, yeah. Well, to, to what degree has it actually helped or facilitated you um, starting your own business or doing well in, in business banking? Yeah, so I think that when you do a Bachelor of Arts, they teach you how to think. So they teach you how to think broadly. Um, whereas if you go into a, a career type world of study, it, it could particularly it could be quite narrow. Um, whereas in my degree, yeah, it was again very broad. I certainly didn't have any aspirations beyond it. I didn't know what it was going to give me. Um, but yeah, fell heart and soul into it, loved it, and then have used that as a as a base myself. So it's not like you do a BA and then you suddenly can start building a company. Um, I look back to my background and think, what have I learned and how can I use that going forward? So anybody can do that in whatever field of study that they've looked into. Mm, and, and social media as a, as a communications platform no doubt helps with that storytelling. Totally, totally. And that's why I like it. Um, in fact, we, we sort of use the buzzword anti-marketing and what we do. So we see the idea of putting content in front of people that they actually want to see. So it becomes a story. We, we're using the targeting that's available with these platforms to put the right content in front of the right person at the right time, rather than just spamming people indiscriminately shouting about how wonderful our product or service is. Um, and I think that's quite cool. And in the realms of what you can and can't say, is it, do, you, do you possibly have an example you might be able to share with us? Um, so, I guess, so for example, with Hell Pizza, uh, we can be quite, quite loose with um, uh, the way that we speak in the conversations that we use when we're sort of creating posts and targeting people who have that same understanding or the people who, who follow Hell Pizza. Um, so you're, you start to speak to a community, which is very different than just trying to speak to New Zealand. Um, whenever we say to a client, so who do you want to, who's, who's your target audience? And they go, everybody. And we say, there's no such thing as everybody these days. If you try to speak to everybody on social media, they will duck and say, well, that's not me. I'm not everybody. So the more targeted we can be, then we can start to use the right language, the right imagery that's actually going to engage those kind of people. Fascinating. Now, we did initially have an additional guest uh, this evening. It was Tim Watts from uh, a recruitment organisation, uh, Magna People and Next Steps. And we had some fascinating um, questions that we're going to keep in anyway um, about the crossover between social media and recruitment. Because often we're reading that young professionals, our attention spans have shortened dramatically. And, and the question is, does that have any influence in the workplace? And are are there, you as an employer, are you seeing any trends in social media that are impacting recruitment or employment? Um, yes. So one thing, and I remember speaking to uh, a recruitment conference around this, saying 
when younger people, and you guys might have been through this, you start at a corporate, which often you know you guys have done, you get like a document about this thick on this is the company policy, the corporate culture, this is what we all do. And you again, you guys with your very short attention spans, um, <laughs> uh, you know, how, who's going to really go through that and, and own it? Um, and I was talking about how powerful it could be to be using social media and, for example, Facebook groups, where you are dropping bite-sized nuggets of information to people as they start within a company. So day one, you get this thing to read. And day two, at this time, you get this one and then, and then like that, rather than this big thick document that you're going to use as a doorstop um, or to light your fires I wonder whether that's the same with like terms and conditions, because often you know you get terms and conditions with with any large um, like SaaS platform or any big big internet firm, and the 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 equivalent of fifty pages long, and nobody's ever going to read them. You just tick the box and say that you have. Um, you know, I wonder whether a corporate could do something very similar. That could be very powerful, and. Have we if just started a new business? We, we, we may well we have done. Yeah, yeah. Stop the live stream. <laughs> um, so that could be cool that, you know, it's just dropping, again, these bite-sized nuggets of information and explaining to people actually what it, what it means. We did a really um, interesting thing. So we worked with uh, uh, like a government offshoot called the Data Futures Partnership. And we were asking New Zealand, this was the brief, about their attitudes to data. And so we were segmenting people. I think we created like 72 segments of people, something like that, of asking these different questions and getting these answers back, um, which was so interesting. You know, a real broad spectrum. Again, instead of just going, hey, New Zealand, what do you think about data? We were sort of saying, hey, Mr. Farmer, what do you think about data? Hey, young woman who's just finished a certain degree, what, you know, what's your experience or your understanding? Um, so that was cool because you're asking, again, these bite-sized questions which people are way more likely to engage with. So let's start that business. I was, I was just going to say that would be a fascinating, um, in terms of the answers that you're getting, it would be an amazing process. Like how diverse were they and did you expect them to be that diverse? Yeah, well, so how diverse were they? Very diverse. And were we expecting it? Probably. Um, again, you're asking a vast swathe of New Zealand. I don't think we, we sort of went in with any preconceptions. Um, but, yeah, fascinating the kind of data that we're able to get back and, and present on. I love that. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of this event that I was at last Monday, um, the Leadership New Zealand Dinner with a Difference. And we were, we were all on these different tables where we didn't know anybody. And they gave us all cards. And we had to pretend to be other people for the evening and to discuss um, issues from, from their point of view. Oh, that's um, fun. Yeah, it was, it was fascinating. It kind of reminded me about that because you're, you're trying to target very – um, down to a micro level about who is this person and what do they think and how does that potentially influence government policy. Mm. And that kind of reminds me of my staff actually. So we create content for our clients and we have you know very very different types of clients. Again, we've got Hal Peter at one end um, and the Startup Futures Partnership at the other. So we have to work with these clients to come up with the persona of the brand that's actually going to engage the person that we're trying to talk to 
and you know, and we leave everybody else alone. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a it's quite a skill. That and has it kind to be of learned. strikes me that you're not actually really at, at the foundation of social media agency. You're a communications agency who uses social media. Totally. Um, and you know, we sort of think of ourselves as quite strong in the strategic space, and. Yeah, we just use social media to help get this message across. And we specialise in it because it moves so quickly um, that you kind of need to. It's holding the tiger by the tail. Mm. It, just getting back to recruitment, though, it also seemed to me when I was recently looking for a job that the transparency is, is so much more um, in terms of I know what other perks my colleagues are getting. So that if my, my friend Oliver here um, posts a picture from HSBC Tower about the amazing view, then I'm going to be like, damn, that's a good perk. I should go work for HSBC. My boss is in the audience, so I'm not going to do that, Cody, don't worry. Um, but it's that kind of thing where now social media has opened up everything. Companies have to be so transparent. And you can see what everybody else is getting. And maybe that increases my expectation about if I'm looking for a job, what I'm going to get. That is, yeah, true. And I thought you were going to say he was sort of posting a picture of his bank account or something showing how much <laughs> came through, which wouldn't surprise me either. You know, you talk about this transparency. Um, if people are sending nudes, then totally they could send bank account details for sure. <laughs> well, I won't be posting my bank account details. <laughs> what about your nudes, though? <laughs> yeah, that, that won't be a business I'll be getting into. <laughs> so, yeah, again, uh, it, it is, um, and as you, we were sort of discussing earlier, people show the shiny side of their lives on social media. Um, so if things are going well, you will be the first to know on social media. When things aren't going so well, we tend not to talk about it so much. So people in the the millennial bracket, um, to you know, do a big generalisation and a stereotype, do seem to have these higher expectations because you have grown up on these platforms. Um, your lives look wonderful online, whereas you know you might be in a mouldy, dripping basement bedroom somewhere, um, but you went to Fiji once and you've got heaps of photos and you just continue to post them and people go, oh, they're having a wonderful life. Um, so it can, you know, we talked about the dark side, it can be a little bit difficult. Um, people have high expectations of things that aren't real. Mm. And uh Again, I wonder whether that, that feeds into how long young people or young professionals stay in their jobs because the, the average, for, for people certainly my age, is, is about two years, which mm. is incredibly short. Yes. And maybe it's because at that two-year or one-year mark, I start seeing, you know, Talia Lucilla's photos, and I'm like, damn, that, that's pretty, that's the sweet life there. I want to go there. Yep. Um, but then you get there, and then I start see, seeing somebody else's photos, and I'm like, damn, that's the sweet life over there. Mm. I suppose the grass is always greener. We had a, um, a young woman work for us well she was young at the time and then she grew older as she worked there funnily enough um, and she said it took her about a year to realise that work was work and it wasn't supposed to be fun all the time so it took her a year to get her head around going oh you know I thought we'd be on Instagram and we'd be doing all this stuff um, but yeah guys work is, is work um, I've had some horrible jobs in my time luckily I'm doing what I do now, and again, I enjoy the communication side. But you know, you you do need to think about: is my expectation based on reality, or is it based on Instagram? 
Mm. And you'd mentioned just before we start recording that you've you've got a kid yourself who's a, who's a teenager. Yes. Do you do you see um, how how he's using? Or it's he, right? He, he, he yeah, yeah. Just yeah. double checking. Yeah. Um, how he's using social media, and you think, man, that's a, that's a bit uh, dark underbelly kind of side. Yeah. Um, well. I haven't seen the dark underbelly of his usage. So you might not want to see his dark there isn't any. Um, but yeah, it's so it's very much the you know it's a communication channel. Mm. Um, so it's you know Facebook Messenger is a big one, um, Snapchat, all that stuff that it sort of can be, I guess, behind closed doors. So I do I do appreciate that he understands that what he puts out on normal Facebook is for the world to see. Mm-hmm. The world's going to see that. And then those private chat channels, um, that's for him and the people who are involved unless they screenshot it and share it. Um, hopefully he's smart enough to, to know about that as well. Mm. Just to take a quick break, we, we shared um, before, before the live podcast started that uh, I am in love with my Wheel of Fortune. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, just for, for people actually in the studio, that um, I gave out my business cards with numbers on them. And I said, don't throw it away because, it, because it's important. Uh, and the reason is because... Where is it? It is numbered. I'll get it for the, for the camera. This is the same one we've used with all the politicians. Um, there, there are numbers on it, and we're going to spin it. Um, and we'll do one now for fun while we'll take a wee break. Uh, and whoever's number comes up has to ask a question. And this is my way of encouraging active participation. You guys all thought the wine was free. It wasn't. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's get, give it a go. Who's number six? Sam. So, so just so everybody knows, Sam Norris here is a uh, <laughs> is a front end developer at Hatch Weapon Design. Oh wow! Um, and do you, do you have a question for John? Surely, aiming higher because of these higher expectations. So just just before we let John get into it, just for the the uh, live stream and for the for the podcast, the question was that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, that um, because we've got we're seeing everybody's highlight reel in social media land, does that mean we're all aiming higher and not settling for the for the lower skill jobs? Yeah, uh, yeah, and um, that can be true, I guess. What it doesn't do is show the the balance. Um, so it's, you know, there's two schools of thought that if you set expectations up here, people will rise to the challenge. Um, but there is also a, a, a big swathe of society. I think I've used that word two or three times now in this podcast. That's, I'm so happy about that. What swathe? Uh, swathe. That's yeah, a great word. Great word. Uh, so there is a vast sway that's four times. It's because uh, he did a BA. <laughs> totally. I, I must have read it in a book somewhere. So of people who they go, that's too hard for me. I'm, I'm, I can't do that. And it can make people, so depression can come out of this. And I, I would say that there's studies and statistics about all that stuff as well. Um, and I'm not saying that people doing that is a bad thing. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it's a thing that we need to be aware of. So as long as everybody's aware that that's the highlight reel and it's not necessarily their real life, um, I think that's cool. I see, so my wife is a flight attendant who travels 
she puts these amazing photos of all these places and she stopped doing it because she was aware that she could feel a little bit of tension or jealousy around some of her friends who who may be working from home or um, stay-at-home mums or that kind of thing. And her highlight reel just looked amazing. They didn't see her coming home at uh, five in the morning after a long day and then having to deal with our teenage son um, or that sort of action or getting up at four o'clock in the morning and going for that flight or the sleep patterns that, that change. So her online world looks amazing, um, but it's not necessarily like that offline and it can set unreal expectations. Mm. And I think as well, we're not suggesting that um, people should, should start sharing all of it but um, certainly just understanding what it is that you're seeing. Yeah, totally. Again, this is a, it's a whole new world, essentially. Um, I talk about social media as being a tool. So we don't have to love it and we don't have to hate it and we shouldn't fear it. We should realise that it's a neutral tool and it's how we go about it, that's where the perceptions come in. Mm. Now, we are going to get back to this wheel, so everybody yeah, has to keep... I do like keep... the wheel. That was, oh, good, that was a good question. Yeah. Um, so we will um, come back to the wheel, but just in the meantime, I want to talk about... Uh, I saw you speak about two years ago, and you said what I thought was something really interesting about um, sales and how and your kind of approach to it back in your more corporate life, I guess? Yeah, so um, I got into sales before I did my degree, um, I, yeah, I did all sorts of things before my degree. But anyway, one of them was sales. And I got into telemarketing. First job, I think it was my first proper job. Um, I'd followed a girl to Wellington, and then I needed a job. And I found out about the sales job. It was phone calling people, don't be on telecom, be on clear, when clear communication sort of kicked off. And I quickly became... Uh, the best salesman in the office having no experience and what I could do was I would help people to buy so I would match my product with their situation and I'd call somebody and I would conversationally speak to them I didn't hard sell and I'd say what are you doing at the moment and how's it working for you oh, I'm doing this and it's getting me this okay so here's a thing that I have that can help you would you like it and more often than not, they would say yes, because it, because it did. And I believed in it. Um, I couldn't sell anything I didn't necessarily believe in. But yeah, helping customers to buy. So when you're a brand using social media, that's totally what you should be doing. That hard sell does not work. You know, we, we skip past content on our phones so quickly. So unless you're engaging and capturing people's imagination and showing them that you have a solution to their particular problem, you are not going to do well on social media. And you've always classed yourself when, when we've chatted um, as an ambivert. Did I get it right? Yes, I kept on I'm mispronouncing an it earlier. Yeah. Um, not, not an extrovert, not an introvert, but somewhere in the middle. I, I learned that term, actually, because I, I kind of didn't know where I sat, but I was at a, a some kind of meeting and it was maybe a meeting for introverts and we had to do this test and I sat in the ambivert. I've never even heard of the term ambivert. But yes, I'm an ambivert. And do you find that because that approach in, in sales you'd mentioned um, has been so beneficial, does that translate to social media that ambiverts do better than introverts or extroverts? Um, you can say no. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know any other ambiverts. I did the test. I don't know anybody else who did the test. Um, 
but I think if you just start raging and yelling, um, not to put down my extroverted friends, but I think I think a lot of marketers miss out when they use social media. They are probably really nice people to talk to when you sit down with them. But then when it's time to market, they put their marketing hat on, sit at their desk, and just start yelling at everybody. And that doesn't translate very well on social media. How well does Big Say Furniture do on social media? I, I think I've put them on mute, so yeah, I don't, don't see them. It's best to watch those videos with the sound off. <laughs> and look, the last topic I just wanted to touch on is social media. Where's it going? What are the, what are the big trends and where are we going to be in 10 years? Yeah, so just back to um, we spend a lot of time on these platforms now and sometimes to the detriment of, of, of real life, if you like. I saw a very cool, interesting uh, documentary called Hypernormalization and it talked about how we've gravitated to the social media life because it's easier to deal with than real life. We feel like we have more control. We, we curate the information that comes to us. You guys would have heard the term, the echo chamber. Nobody thought Donald Trump would win because Facebook said Hillary's going to win. Um, yet things happen outside our echo chambers that we sort of really need to start realizing that the world that we've created isn't necessarily the real world. And how do you, how do you get out of that echo chamber? Uh, I read Fox News uh, from time to time just to give me some balance, um, things like that. Or I turn my phone off and I walk my dogs and I go and see how the world's actually happening in my backyard rather than what's going on in uh, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Brexit, all that stuff, which you know we, we feel compelled that we have to have an opinion or a side or we feel we're pulled towards it. If you, you know, again, if I turn my phone off and open my door, my dogs don't care about Brexit. Um, <laughs> Syria's not nowhere near the birds chirping in my trees. And it can be quite peaceful. And I think that's just something that we need to remember as much as, you know, as much as the convenience that this online world's created um, is wonderful. But yeah, I think we need to balance that out. Mm. So social media, it's a great tool, great, great communication tool. Great tool, yes, it's mm. a tool. But know when to use it, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, and don't let it become our lives. Again, it's a tool that we should use rather than something that's taking us over. Cool. Well, let's have uh, two more questions before we wrap up, if you don't mind, John. Let me get this back. Uh, and if it lands again on six, we'll just go to the next number. Number one. Who is number one? Oh, it's me. Michael Turner. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool name again? So the question was, uh, is there a maximum number of hours we should be uh, exposed to social media on a weekly or daily basis? Um, and I'm certainly not in the position to answer for everybody, but I know for myself that I, I need to have those turn-off times, and I think the, the better... Oh, here comes my classics again. So know thyself. <laughs> and if you understand your own personal way, you will find out when it's unhealthy. Um, and I think that's important to go, whoa, this is suddenly unhealthy that I'm reaching for my phone. Um, I need to take some steps or I need to do something or 
hide it from from myself for a little while, that kind of thing. So you'll know um, deep down. You search for it, Michael. (laughs) And uh, one more before we wrap up. Number 10. Who's number 10? Oh, Stephen from IMNZ. Wait for the full name, Stephen Nordea. It's in your nice email pronunciation. Yeah, that's. Um, so, yeah. so the question again, just for just for the uh, the benefit of the podcast listeners and the live stream, um, f- the Facebook landscape uh, is changing so rapidly in terms of the demographics using it, um, and social media is changing really rapidly. How do you advise clients and create a strategy when you already know it's going to change? Yeah, um, that is very interesting. And um, a nice summary. That was very well summed. I would have forgotten by the time that you did it. That was really good. I actually have to listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, so the strategy part from the way we approach is actually quite simple um, because we come at it sort of platform neutral. We don't sit down and say, this is your Facebook strategy. We sit back and ask a business, what are you actually trying to achieve? So what is your business doing? And then the second question is, how can we use social media to help? Who is the audience that you're actually trying to reach? And from there, we can start to work out which platforms we'll then use. So a lot of companies, I think, they run to platform. They go, we're going to be on Facebook or we're going to be on Snapchat and we'll just do stuff and we don't know what we'll do, but we'll do something. So we come at it and go, what's the business trying to do? Because we are outcome orientated. So we're using these platforms to create some kind of measurable result rather than just being there. Um, I would say the social media strategy for a lot of the businesses I've seen in my time is they go, we need to be on social media. Let's set up a Facebook page. We'll get a young person to run it because they must know how this works. And they high five themselves for being on social media. And then six months later, they're like, is our strategy working? Like, well, the young person's posting cat photos on a Friday often and people are liking them, um, maybe. So we come from the polar opposite and the platform sort of comes last. That's, a, that's an output of all the thinking that happens. And we um, will say to our clients very strictly, we talk about depth over breadth. So let's not be on all the platforms. Let's be on the relevant few that are actually going to provide you, again, that kind of measurable result. Um, so all the changes that happen, that's kind of happens tactically. So we'll, we'll change there. Um, but the strategic thought, how are we going to communicate to the people that we are, who are going to buy or refer our product or service, um, yeah, that doesn't sort of come into it. Mm. And John, if people want to track you down online, of course, uh, how would they do that? Um, carefully, I would say. Uh, LinkedIn, so I'm on LinkedIn, and I think if you go It's LinkedIn, John without an H, by the John way. John without an H, and Randall's is just like handles but with an R. Ah, oh, that's it. That's your little tip. That was my sales call thing all the time, and people loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out how to like respell my name with something else, but yeah. mine doesn't name with anything. 
or rhyme with anything. Um, look, thank you so much for coming along to uh, be on the New Zealand Young Professionals podcast yeah, today, Yeah, thanks John. for inviting I me. really appreciate it. Of course, the uh, podcasts are now live on the iTunes store. Track them down. They are NZ Young Professionals podcast. Give it a big five-star uh, rating review if you like it. If you don't, do it anyway. Um, <laughs> track us down online. We are NZ Young Professionals podcast.com. Uh, same on Facebook. Or hit subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app. Until next time, I'm your host, Ed McKnight. Very cool. Thank you. The New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, hosted by Ed McKnight and brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.